0: not going to get into all the details of it here this morning, but uh, about 12 years ago or so, a guy that we're going to call Sam, for the sake of today's message, did something that really, really hurt my family, close family members, and it was one of those things that, like devastating types of effects, one of those types of things that when I got the call, it was probably 9 or 10 o'clock at night, and Lisa and I were already ready for bed that you like immediately get changed and you're out the door within like minutes of getting the news. It's one of those things that it really hurt. It was very, very painful. And to be honest, it was one of those things that in the back of my mind, I'm wondering, can I get away with the murder or not? Now, I'm a pastor, but these, these things were crossing my mind. And, you know, in the moment, I I knew all the right things to say, that this is the result of sin being in the world, and we need to forgive. And I thought I had until probably, I don't know, six or seven years ago, I was at a conference down in Florida. I I go to this conference every single year. It's a big pastor's conference, 7,000 pastors are there at this conference, and this is This past year when I was there, it was like the 11th time I've gone to it, so I've been there like 11 11 years in a row. And every year they have a a different worship team, or at least they used to, a different worship team that would come in to, to lead worship, and so... Like I say, six, seven years ago, there was this worship team, it was a church plant from up in Boston, and they came in, and they were just so dynamic as a a worship team. I mean, every single person, it wasn't just the worship leader, every person in the band, they were really getting into it and leading their part of the crowd. And so every year, the the group that I go with, we always sit sort of up in the, the right front corner. And there was a guitar player that was over here that he was, he was playing and he was so engaging. He was really, really capturing the, the people that were sitting there in the rows right in front of him just really leading in worship. But as he starts to play and the lights sort of come on and stuff, I'm like, this guy looks exactly like Sam. And it was in that moment that all those feelings came rushing back to me. And I realized that I hadn't really forgiven. Because as I'm watching this guy, and he's so passionate for Jesus. He's playing his guitar, and he's just so into it. I'm like, how can someone like you be so passionate? Now, remember, this isn't even Sam. It's just somebody that looks like Sam. But yet, all those emotions that come back up in my heart, how can somebody like you be in a right relationship with Jesus? It was in that moment that Jesus reminded me of his words found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 to 15, when he says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. It was in that moment I had a decision to make. Was I going to truly forgive Sam for what he had done? And that's what I want to talk to you about here this morning as we begin this brand new series called Love Like Jesus. What we're going to do over the next four weeks is we're going to look at four different ways that Jesus loved the people of the world, and we are in turn then called to love other people. So today we'll start with this thing of forgiveness. What does it look like to truly forgive those that have hurt you? What does it mean to forgive someone like a a Sam that has done something that has hurt you or your family member? They, they've said something, they've done something that just seems so unforgivable. So today, if you've received forgiveness, we're going to learn how do you then in turn give forgiveness. So if you've got a Bible, you want to turn to Luke chapter 23. That's where we're going to hang out here this morning, Luke chapter 23. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. All the scriptures will be on the screen behind me. They're also there in your program that you got. And if you've got a smartphone, you can pull that out, download the YouVersion app, and you can follow along on the YouVersion app with all the scriptures we're going to be talking about as well. As you continue to turn there to Luke chapter 23, let me give you a little bit of context. This is actually the story of Jesus' crucifixion. Now, we've talked about crucifixion, obviously, a lot. You know, that's one of the things you do as a church, right, As you talk about Jesus on the cross. But we've talked about some of what crucifixion really means and just... How devastating this type of uh, death would be. Let me just remind some of you that maybe you weren't here with us, or for those of you that maybe were sleeping the last time I talked about it, crucifixion was horrible. In fact, they had to come up with a new word just to describe it. It's the word excruciating, X meaning out of, and crucifixion, excruciating. All right? It is just this tremendously tough way to die because. A lot of people think that you died on the cross because of blood loss. You know, obviously, if you're getting, you know, nails and, you know, and really it was more like railroad ties that being driven through your wrist bone and then through your ankles. You would think that it would be blood loss. That wasn't it at all. It, you would actually hang on the cross for days because what would happen is they, they would get you in just such a position that you would, you would start to, to lose your strength and you would sink down. And, and then you would push back up against the pain that are in your ankles. you push yourself back up to get your breath. But then you, you couldn't handle that pain in the ankles anymore and you'd sink back down again. And you couldn't get your breath. And you'd push back up again against the pain. Just days and days and days of just this sinking down, pushing back up. And eventually what would happen as you couldn't couldn't push yourself back up anymore. You you just had worn out. And you couldn't breathe. And that's how you would actually die with would be you'd suffocate to death. All the, the fluids would start to build up in the lungs and, and you'd literally drown on your own fluids. Excruciating pain for days on end. Now, this was a, a form of punishment that was reserved for the worst of the worst of the worst criminals. And there was two reasons for this. Number one, it was very humiliating. They would strip you naked, and there you would be in front of your family members, in front of your friends, in front of your entire community, just hanging naked on a cross for days on end. And the reason that the, the Romans would use this is they wanted to say, look, we've got more crosses. You, you better follow us and what we want, or you'll end up like your family member. You'll end up like your friend here. The the other reason that they reserved it for the worst of the worst was it was extremely expensive to do this form of uh, execution because it meant that you had to have guards on duty 24 hours a day. You know, you didn't want a family member or a friend coming and taking the body down. So you you literally had to have four guards there guarding what was going on. So again, if somebody's going to hang there for days and days and days, I mean, think of the overtime, so to speak, that was being paid for that. You had to have round-the-clock shifts of all these guards. So this is, this is how Jesus dies. It's there on a cross. But he didn't deserve it. He hadn't done anything wrong. He had been perfect. He didn't deserve this, this form of execution. But yet here's what we read. Luke chapter 23, verses 32 and 33. It says, two criminals were let out to be put to death with Jesus And when the soldiers came to the place called the Skull, they nailed Jesus to a cross. They also nailed two two criminals to crosses, one on each side of Jesus. Now, here's one of the sort of the myths of execution, because we see this like on the movies and TV and stuff. We think that like the cross was really tall and that, you know, Jesus was like way up there and like people were looking at him, you know, hanging up there and stuff. Archaeologists, as they've done more and more study and even some of the ancient writings and stuff, crosses weren't tall at all. In fact, they were relatively short. Jesus' actual feet would have only been inches off the ground. And the reason that this is important is we read through Scripture that as Jesus was hanging there on the cross, He was being mocked, He was being ridiculed, He was being spit upon, He was just anything you can imagine. These people were doing it. And so it wasn't like they were like looking way up at Him and shouting these things. No, they were saying it right to His face. Jesus could look right into the eyes of these people that were doing all these terrible things and saying all these terrible things about him, right in the eyes, which makes his next words so amazing. Look at verse 34. He prays this prayer. Jesus said, Father, forgive these people. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus is asking for forgiveness for the people that are hurting him in the midst of him actually being hurt. Isn't that amazing? It wasn't that it's like years later he's asking for forgiveness of him. It's right then, in that moment. Here's the truth. If you live long enough, somebody's going to hurt you. Somebody's going to do something that seems unforgivable in your life. Many of you today, you're still carrying around the emotional baggage from something that someone did to you or someone did to a friend of yours or to your family member. Either they did it or they said it, and the pain is still real. It still hurts. For some of you, it was a person that lied to you. Others of you, somebody took advantage of you or maybe they abused you. Maybe somebody cheated you or cheated on you. Maybe you were accused of doing something that you didn't really do some of you here today the person that did this to you they're not even still alive but yet the weight of what they did is something you still carry around with you some of you here today you got touched inappropriately or your mom or your dad they abandoned you for some of you it wasn't even anything that dramatic perhaps it was a school teacher that said to you you know what you'll never amount to anything maybe for maybe for you with somebody at school or at work that put you down because of the way you look or the way you dressed, All of us have something, that somebody has done something to us that really, really hurts, and the question is, have we learned to forgive? Are we willing to do what Jesus did there on the cross? To say, Father, forgive them. they do not know what they're doing. And so again, this series is called Love Like Jesus. And so the big question is this, if we're going to learn how to love like Jesus, we've got to learn how to forgive like Jesus forgave. And you know, the the reason we need to learn this is this is really the heart of what Christianity is all about. You know, this this is a big book and it can be confusing at times, but let me boil it down for you. Really what this this book is all about is how could this big, loving, perfect God forgive someone like you and I because of all of our sinfulness? And then in turn, how can we take that forgiveness that we've received and offer that to others? That's what the Bible's about. That's what we're called to, is to start this relationship with Him that we don't deserve because of our sin. It's only because of what He did on the cross that we can be forgiven. But that's what this is about. How do you get in a right relationship with God? How can you have your sins forgiven? But then in turn, how can you go out and truly love your neighbor? So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at two ways to forgive others. Now let me caution you with this. What I'm about to say is going to be very, very easy to hear. It's going to be very, very easy to understand. I'm not going to say anything that's like deeply theological, okay? That was last week. Today, it's going to be very easy to understand. This isn't going to be rocket science, but here's the deal. It's going to be very tough for you to execute because everything I'm about to share with you goes completely contrary to your your human nature. We as humans, we don't want to forgive, do we? We want to carry that, uh, not that we want to have the pain, but we want to have vengeance. We don't want to forgive. We want them to hurt. But we can't do that if we're truly going to be followers of Jesus. So here's the two things you can do. The first one is this. If you've taken notes, I must pray for those who have hurt me. I must pray for those who have hurt me. That, that's what Jesus did there on the cross. He, he prayed. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Here's something else Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 28. He says, ask God to bless anyone who does what? Ask God to bless anyone who curses you and pray for everyone who has? Hurt you. That sounds hard, doesn't it? Pray for them? Love them? Again, the the words, that, that makes sense. It's not hard to understand it. But actually doing it? Some of you are like, I'll pray for them, all right. I'll pray they get hemorrhoids. I'm going to pray that they suffer. I'm going to pray that, you know, somebody does something back to them, that they get hurt in the same way that I got hurt. But That's not the kind of prayer that Jesus is talking about. What's his prayer? What's his prayer? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So we, we've got to truly learn to pray for those who have heard us. Let me share something else that, that Jesus uh, said at one point. And this would have blown away the, the people of his day and time, because remember, Jesus was primarily speaking to a Jewish audience. They had grown up with what we call the Old Testament of the Bible. That was their law. That, that's what they followed. And so you know, for years and years and years and years, they have been taught, you know, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, et cetera, et cetera. But Jesus comes along and he says this, Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 44. He says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray that persecute you. Again, this is amazing. Because they had had the law, eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. If someone steals something from you, if somebody takes something from you, you take something back. If someone harms you, you harm them back. If someone cuts you off in traffic in their chariot, you flip them the bird, right? <laughs> now, maybe that's not exactly what they were taught, but you get my point. If somebody hurt you, you were supposed to do something back. And here comes this radical guy named Jesus going, no, 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 no. Let me give you a new law. Let me give you a new command. Love those that hate you. Pray for those that are persecuting you. That's radically different than our human nature, isn't it? But yet, if we're going to truly love like Jesus, that's what we need to do. Now again, it... I'm not really sharing anything with you here this morning. you haven't heard before. You should pray for those that persecute you. And intellectually again, it's very easy to understand until you've gotten hurt. until Sam does something to your family, till your husband cheats on you, till your coworkers lied about you then it becomes really tough. It becomes hard. And so I think that the reason that Jesus wants us to start with prayer is prayer changes us. Prayer changes our attitude. You know, it's, it's really hard to genuinely be praying for someone and it not change how you feel about that person. See, as we pray and our attitude changes, now as our attitude changes, our our thinking is going to start to change, and and thinking leads to our actions then. Thinking leads to the words that we speak. And so as you genuinely start to pray for somebody, your feelings are going to change. You're going to treat that person differently. You're going to talk about that person differently to other people. You're going to talk to that person differently. Why? Because you're truly... Truly, genuinely praying, God bless them. God be in their lives. Now, here's the deal. Your prayer may not actually change them at all. They may still be mean and rotten and and still doing the same actions. So your prayer may not change them, but I guarantee it will change you. So love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. That's number one. Number two then, I must forgive as I have been forgiven. I must forgive as I have been forgiven. Now, this one is hard because many times we're like, what do I really need to be forgiven of? I mean, I haven't done anything nearly as bad as what they did to me. But see, this is where we sometimes fail to grasp the magnitude of our sinfulness. See, the Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that there's none of us are righteous, that not even one of us. Did you know that just even one sin in your life disqualifies you from heaven? In other words, if you have not been perfect, you don't deserve heaven. Now, anybody want to sit here and say, hey, I'm perfect? If so, please come up and finish the message for me. Because here's the thing I'm imperfect, I'm a sinner. But again, we don't realize the magnitude of our, of our sinfulness. Do me a favor. Shout out some, some things that you think is sin. What, what is some sin? What, shout it out. What, what, what types of things are sin? Stealing, lying, what else? What? Murder, rape, adultery, right? You notice that we always go to the big things, don't we? Right? Those are the biggies. And they are sin, but did you realize that sin is little things, that little white lie that you told, fudging just a little bit on your taxes? Did you know breaking the speed limit is a, is a sin? Because the Bible says we're supposed to obey the laws of the land. Wow, that was the most convicting thing I said to some of you here so far this morning. <laughs> Some of you are praying for forgiveness right now. You're like, oh, I was sitting on my way to church today. (laughs) All these things are sin. Those are what's called sins of commission. Those are acts. we, We committed those types of things. Did you know that there's also what's called sins of omission? that there's some things that you should be doing that you sometimes fail to do. Things like praying, reading your Bible, coming to church, truly loving your neighbor, sins of omission. But even sins of commission and omission aren't even the worst. You know what the worst are? It's the inner things, lust, pride, greed, envy, jealousy, rage, and the list goes on and on and on and on. We're all sinners, and we sin a whole lot. I got to thinking about it one time. Did you know that if you sin just three times a day, that'd be 21 sins in a week? That'd be a little over 1,000 sins in a year. And the average person now lives to be 78 years old. That'd be 78,000 sins in your lifetime. Now that's if you're good. I mean, imagine standing before a Dauphin County judge here today and you have 78,000 laws that you've broken. What's the judge going to do to you? What's the judge going to do? Lock you up and throw away the key. There's no way you're getting out. So if an imperfect, sinful judge here in Dauphin County knows that 78,000 times is too many, imagine what's going to happen when you stand before a holy and righteous and just God. Are you really going to be able to say, well, God, I only messed up 78,000 times? I mean, before I became a, a Christian in my early 20s, I probably had some years that I sinned 78,000 times. Seriously. I mean, three sins a day, that'd be really, really a good person. I mean, almost angelic. So here, here's the deal we've all sinned, we've all messed up big time. And so, in the same way that Jesus is willing to forgive us of our sins, we need to be willing to give that to other people. You know, on July 27, 1993, when I prayed and I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins, become the leader of my life, it wasn't because of anything that Gilbert could do, how good Gilbert had been. It was only because of what Jesus had done on the cross. See, that's, again, what Christianity is all about, is that God loved you and He loved me so much that He said... Them getting punished and going to hell forever, that is not acceptable. I'm going to go and I'm going to live a perfect and sinless life and I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to sacrifice my own body so that their sins may be forgiven. Again, it doesn't have anything to do with you. It's all about Jesus. So if Jesus was willing to forgive me, all that stuff I had done, and Jesus is willing to forgive you of all the stuff you've done, you know the things you've done, then how then can you say, I'm not going to forgive somebody else? Because they may have only done one thing to you. Or maybe maybe they did the same thing to you over and over. Maybe you were abused every single day. And that's wrong. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. But here's the thing. Even if you add all that up, it's still not even close to the, the magnitude of how much we've sinned against God. So forgive in the same way that you've been forgiven. The Apostle Paul, he reiterates this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. He says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must Forgive others. Again, be honest with yourself here this morning. You haven't been perfect. You've messed up. But yet you've freely asked and, and, and received Jesus' forgiveness for you. So how can you then in turn say, I'm not going to give that same type of forgiveness to somebody else? We can't live with a spirit of unforgiveness. Because unforgiveness just leads to bitterness, and none of us want to grow bitter. Bitterness will destroy you. My former boss, a guy by the name of Rick Warren, some of you have heard of me before, he loved to say this. He said, look, when bad things happen, you can either become bitter or you can become Better. Bad stuff's going to happen, right? That was our previous series. We talked about that, Mood Swingers. Bad stuff is going to happen. But are you going to become bitter? Or are you going to become better? Are you going to allow the the bad things that have happened that somebody did to you to destroy you? Or are you going to say, you know what, God? I don't like that this happened, but I'm going to forgive that person. I'm going to take what they did. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to take what Satan meant for evil, turn it around, and use it for good. I'm actually going to become stronger because this happened to me. So that eventually I'll get to a place that I'll say, you know what, I still don't like that it happened, but yet at the same way, I'm sort of glad that it happened because I am a better person now because of it. Don't allow bitterness to fester in your heart. Don't allow that unforgiveness to stay there. Anne Lamott, another famous author, she said this. Bitterness is like taking a swig of poison and then expecting that the other person's going to die. I mean, imagine that. You're drinking a whole thing of poison, and then you're hoping the other person's going to die because of what you're doing. You can't do that. We've got to learn how to forgive. We've got to take our situation to God, first of all, in prayer, like we talked about in point one. Then after that, the words of the great theologian Elsa, let it go. (laughs) Don't make me sing it to you. (laughs) (laughs) Let it, let it go. Don't hold on to it anymore. See, the person that hurt you, they've probably forgotten about it. They're not losing sleep over it but you are. And the bitterness and the unforgiveness its destroying your life. So give it to God and then let it go. Now let me be very clear with this. There's a difference between forgiveness and trust. There's a difference between forgiveness and respect. We're called to forgive and hopefully you'll learn how to trust that person again at some point, but it doesn't mean that you're called to trust that person. Does that make sense? If I borrow your car and I go out and I wreck it, you can forgive me of doing that, but if you find out that the reason that I wrecked it was because I was just being completely careless, I was hill hopping and all kinds of stuff, and then I totaled it, well, the next time I ask to borrow your car, you're going to say no. I'm going to go, but I thought you said you forgave me. Yeah, I forgive you, but I don't trust you. (laughs) Forgiveness is something that We have to give. We're called to give. To love like Jesus, we have to give forgiveness. But then they have to earn that trust back. So there I was in Orlando. There's this guitarist. He looks just like Sam. And I realized I haven't forgiven. And so... As Jesus reminded me of the, the scripture that if you don't forgive others, I won't forgive your sins. I prayed in that moment and I asked Jesus to forgive me of having that, that bitterness and that unforgiveness in, in my heart. And then I made a commitment that I was going to start to pray for Sam. And I did for the, the next year I prayed for him as often as, I, as he came to, to mind. Next year, we get to the conference. Now, up to that point, they had always, like, switched the bands. Every year, it was a new uh, church plant that would lead. But that band was so fantastic that they invited them back again. And so, we get there to the conference. We're sitting in our same spot in the front row, you know, up in the right-hand corner. And there's the guy that looks like Sam playing again. And as I see him, I realized that I had made a lot of progress. But there were still some of those feelings that were there. And so I made a commitment that for the next year, I was going to pray for him, but not in the same way I'd prayed for him the year before. Because the year before, it had been, God be with Sam today, amen, right? <laughs> but now I really started to genuinely pray for Sam. I started praying for his salvation, started praying that he would repent of what he had done. But then here's the strange thing. I started to genuinely pray that God would bless his life, that God bless his family, bless his marriage, bless his kids, bless his job, bless him in every single way that you can. And again, I really meant it. Next year when we get to the conference, same band had been invited back. And there's the guy that looks like Sam playing. And now when I looked at him worshiping, it wasn't a thing of, how can somebody like you that did something like that worship. I genuinely had good feelings for Sam and this guy that looked like Sam. And so I knew that there was one thing I had to do symbolically. And so during one of the breaks, I knew where the green room was, where the band was hanging out. I actually went backstage to the green room, and I motioned to the guy that looked like Sam. I was like, come here. And I said, hey, my name's Gilbert. I told him the story that I told you here today. And I said, can I hug you? He's like, yeah. (laughs) Again, it was just symbolic. But I was able to to do that, that this guy that looks exactly like Sam. And I knew that I had truly forgiven him. And I believe that if the real Sam walked into this room today, I'd be able to run up to him and throw my arms around him, give him a big hug. Because, yeah, it still hurts. I mean, you can hear it, right? It still hurts what he did. But I forgive him. Why? Because I've been forgiven. I don't know what you came in here today with, the baggage, the emotional baggage you may be carrying. But you do. It's time to to drop it, to let it go. To start to, to truly love in the way that Jesus loves Now your coworkers, your relatives, you you know, your neighbors, they're gonna tell you, No, 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 no. Love those that love you and hate those that hate you. But Jesus comes along and he says, No, if you really want to be my follower, we're gonna do things differently. We're gonna love our enemies. We're gonna pray for those that persecute us. We're gonna forgive just as we've been forgiven. Again, very easy message to understand today. It's hard to execute it. But you can do it. You heard my story. It hurt. It hurt. But with the power of the Spirit living in us, we can overcome. We don't have to live any longer the way the world lives and treat people the way the world treats people. You and I can love like Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together today to worship you and just to look at your Word. And we thank you for the tremendous example of Jesus hanging there on the cross. They said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Lord, I, I pray that each and every one of us here today, that whatever hurt that we came in with, whatever baggage that we have, that we would just surrender that to you. That, Lord, we would take the, the Sams in our own lives. Right now, bring that, that face to our minds. And we would say, Jesus, I forgive them. And Jesus, I'm committed to praying for them. Jesus, I'm committed to doing good for them. Not because they deserve it, but because I want to be like Jesus. I want to love like Jesus. And so since Jesus forgave me, I'm now going to forgive others. Spirit, give us the the boldness. Give us the, the courage to do that to not live the way that the world lives, but to truly love like Jesus. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed here this morning, I know that there's some of you here today that it's going to be hard for you to forgive because you haven't yet yourself been forgiven. And I I mentioned it earlier, all of us, we've sinned against God. We've messed up. To the point that we don't deserve heaven. We deserve eternal punishment in a very real place called hell. But again, the good news of Christianity is that God loved you so much that He sent His one and only Son, Jesus, to live the perfect and sinless life that you could never live and then to die on the cross so that your sins could be forgiven. Jesus was and is God in the flesh. And the proof that He was God was that He didn't remain in the grave, He rose again from the dead, victorious over sin, victorious over death, victorious over hell, victorious over all the schemes of Satan. You can be forgiven no matter what you've done, no matter how bad you've been. You can be forgiven, again, not because of anything you've done, but simply by praying and asking Jesus. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be the leader of my life. I'm repenting. I'm turning from my sins, giving my whole life to you. And so if that's you here this morning, again, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you've never prayed and asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins to come in and be the leader of your life, would you just simply slip your hand up nice and high so I can see it? I'll recognize it, then you can put it back down. Anybody here this morning, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Need you to come into my life, forgive me, cleanse me, make me whole, give me a fresh start. Anyone here this morning? Anyone? All right. I don't see any hands here this morning, so that means one of two things. It means either all of us here today already have a relationship with Jesus, or there may be some of you that you're still sort of kicking the tires on this whole thing called Christianity. You're like, eh, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing and the Bible thing and the church thing. And you know what? That's okay. We hope that you find Exponential a safe place to continue to come in and explore the claims of Jesus and, and what the Bible is all about. We don't want to pressure you in any way, but here's what I would say to you. Continue to investigate it. Continue to investigate because none of us know the day or the hour that death is coming for us. And so we need to know, okay, what's going to happen to me when I die? Am I right with God or not? so, again, I would invite those of you that maybe are still sort of kicking the tires to continue to come back and be a part of what we're doing here. For everybody else, head bowed, eyes are still closed. You say, Gilbert, could you, could you pray for me here this morning because there is somebody I haven't forgiven and I, I need to, to forgive them and they hurt me so bad, but I, I need to forgive in the same way that I've been forgiven. Can you just raise your hand up here this morning? Yep, 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 yep. Lots of hands going up. Lots of hands. You can put them back down, Father. Again, I just pray that for each and every person that whatever hurt they have come in here with this morning, that they would sort of symbolically just lay that down right now. Put it on the seat, laying next, uh, sitting there next to them. Put it on the floor. Put it, put it down, and walk out of here with a new sense of peace in their mind, a new sense of peace in their hearts. Lord, I pray that that peace then would continue as they learn to pray for this person that hurt them so bad. And Lord, that they would genuinely pray for them. Pray blessing upon them. Blessing upon their household. Lord, change us even if it doesn't change them. Help us to truly love like Jesus. Jesus, we just want to Thank you so much for, again, who you are and all that you've done in our lives. Pray that you would continue to transform us, make us more like you each and every day. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.